Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing awesome today. I am pumped because today on the show, we are joined by Florida State men's basketball coach Leonard Hamilton. He is awesome, and we had this tremendous conversation, and it went in a lot of different directions. We get to hear his story. We get to hear his thoughts on just kind of life and the world and society and where we're at. And and he more is just, a, I would say, a, a thinker and a questioner versus telling us all the answers, uh, which is kind of refreshing. So um, you won't necessarily agree with everything he asks or questions, but I think you'll appreciate the thought-provoking uh, conversation that we have. Uh, we talk about faith. We talk about his faith journey. And, and, and it's just I appreciate – people that have been one in sports a long time and so they have credibility they have experience they've seen a lot they've seen things change they've coached a lot of players been a part of a lot of games a lot of seasons but then also Leonard Hamilton 73 years old so he's been around life he's been around a long time and so I think there's there's things that we can learn from uh you know the the, the older generation and and so uh I'm excited to share uh, this conversation with you today and also this is going to be a two-parter we rarely do a two-parter, uh, but we're doing that for Coach Leonard Hamilton. So uh, listen to this podcast and then go download part two uh, when you're done listening. So uh, it should be should be uh, encouraging to you and, and hopefully entertaining as well. Uh, stick around. I'll give a few thoughts after part one, a few thoughts after part two. Uh, but for those of you maybe you know, not as familiar with Leonard Hamilton, you know Florida State basketball is legit. So I live in ACC country in, in North Carolina and Charlotte, and so I'm a Duke fan, and so you know grew up with the rivalry Duke and Carolina. In recent years, you know Virginia, of course, won the championship, so they get a lot of attention. You know, over the years, NC State has has been a, a championship team, and so there's uh, you know rich history with them. You think of Wake Forest and and Tim Duncan, and they they had a number of great years uh, in in basketball. It's uh, it's been a little struggle lately. Uh, but but that's you know that's the ACC. Well the Florida well Florida State, they've been consistent, and and I read I read this that the only team in the ACC to make it to the last three Sweet Sixteens, that's right Florida State. So how about that? <laughs> it's pretty good. So Leonard Hamilton has done a tremendous job there. Uh, he hasn't been chasing you know the the next job. He's been there since two thousand two. Um, after coaching in the NBA. So he coached the Washington Wizards. That was during the, the Michael Jordan Wizards era uh, as well. Uh, but for the most part, Leonard Hamilton has been a college coach. Uh, his his record is 599 and 438, which gives him like a 58% uh, winning percentage, which is awesome. 
Uh, they've been the ACC tournament champions in 2012, ACC regular season champs in 2020. Uh, he's won numerous coaches of the coach of the year awards and, and has coached at Oklahoma state, Miami, and then Florida state since 2002. So before we jump in, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options, healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. Here we go. The head coach, Leonard Hamilton. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. And joining us now on Unpacking It, head coach at Florida State men's basketball, the legend, Leonard Hamilton. Coach, it's an honor to have you on Unpacking It today. How are you? I am doing just fine, and I really appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well, we're excited about it. And uh, before we jump into kind of some some faith conversations and, and family conversations, what what is the the off season look like for you? So we're t- we're talking in September. We're still you know weeks away from from training camp and that sort of thing. So what what does the summer and the off season look like for you? Well, whenever you are involved with uh, building basketball programs and. Um, we're fortunate to be in the number one basketball conference ever seen in the history of college basketball, the ACC, with a lot of blue blood programs, a guys with a lot of rich tradition. And so you, you're always playing catch up. And when, when everyone else is vacationing and, and, and relaxing, you need to be still working, trying to narrow that gap. And so we always got something to do. When you have 18, 19, 20 players in your program, you know, you, you, you're the surrogate family, you're the surrogate mother, the father, the sister, the brothers, you're their confidant, you're their disciplinarian, and, and, and you're, you're, you're their coach. And so that takes on a lot of uh, uh, areas. And so you, you're always working. You're always counseling. You're always teaching. You're always recruiting, building, developing, evaluating. So it's all-encompassing. And, and for me, that's what I enjoy doing. So I, I, I'm doing what I feel like my purpose is uh, on earth, and I enjoy every day. And... Uh, it's always busy uh, in my life. Oh, that, that's awesome. So you, you mentioned that there's been your purpose, and, and I was going to ask you why you love coaching. And, and I'm curious, too, when did you know that this was your purpose? To, to, I, I, to I, really, this? I, I really didn't know. Mm. You know, I'll, I was trying to, I, when I graduated from college, I, I thought I was going to have to go join the Army. And then I looked at reserves, and I looked at joining the Marines, and, so I got it in order to get my master's degree. Uh, I had an opportunity to get a graduate assistantship at Austin Peay State University, and I had to enroll in advanced ROTC um, in order to uh, be able to get my graduate school and not have to go directly to the army. And then you would go into the service as a a second lieutenant. So at least you're better going in as an officer as opposed to an enlisted uh, uh, person. And so that's what my plan was. But when, after my, in January of my first year as a graduate student, the full-time assistant coach became ill and resigned. And so there I was uh, a few months away from playing uh, with all the responsibilities of a full-time assistant coach because during those days, he only had one assistant coach. And, and then I had to t- assume his responsibilities as I was in graduate school 
and 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 uh, having a family, trying to raise a family, and adopted a brother that was living with me as well. So I had I had all kinds of responsibilities. So there I was, younger than some of the players that I was coaching, Whoa. and I had the responsibilities of coaching and recruiting, <clears throat> which gave me a lot of on the job experience that I never could have gotten in any other circumstances. So not only was I running my drills on one side of the floor where the head coach was on the other side, and uh, I asked him, could I go on the road recruiting? And he gave me the opportunity to go on the road recruiting as a graduate student, replacing the full-time assistant coach. My first recruiting trip was to New York City. I'd never been to New York City in my life. And the first two kids I met, one that we signed and the other one that we signed, one led the nation in scoring, and the other one broke the conference assist record. So I realized then that wasn't me. That was just God's uh, protection on my life. Mm -hmm. I've always had this hedge of protection around me where I was always seen to be guided in, 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 the, in, the right, in the right direction. There's absolutely no way I can go from being a graduate assistant, never going on the road recruiting, going to New York, never going to New York, and then the first two players I talked to, one, one averaged 27 points and nine rebounds a game as a freshman. It's going 51 twice. And the other freshman I brought in um, led, the, uh, led the conference in scoring, I mean, the assist. Hmm. So, so it was obvious that uh, that was not me. That was the anointing I had on my life. And that was the direction that God wanted me to be in is to go and be a part of the coaching fraternity. Wow. What, what a cool start. And, and so it's been uh, quite, the, quite the journey, your, your coaching career, and, of course, uh, the last uh, couple decades at, at Florida State and, and really building such a, a, a strong powerhouse in, in the ACC. And, and so as you think about your development then, then as a coach, so recognizing early on, okay, you've got some of the, these natural gifts, what, what has that process been like for you to develop over the years as a coach? And, and what are some of those, those areas where you feel like you're so much better now all these years later compared to when, when you first got going? Well, my, my journey was somewhat challenging for me because during those days, you didn't have very many African-American head coaches coaching right. at all. That was in uh, my first job was in 1971. And so in year, in, in year three at, at Austin P, we had won two conference championships, going to the NCAA twice with the guys that I, were, that I thought that I was contributing with, with, with bringing into the program. And my head coaches started getting mentioned for a lot of jobs uh, around the country. And I, I think I was blessed with confidence. And, and, and I actually walked into the president's office at 26 years old, knocked on his door and said, can I visit with you? And asked him if Coach, if Coach Kelly gets a head job, am I going to be the next head coach at Austin P? Well, I, you know, the, 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 it's unusual for me to have that level of confidence, but I really believe that I, that I was ready at 26 to be the head coach on the Division One level, which I find almost ridiculous for me to to be able to, to do that. And then what he told me that nothing would make him happier for me to be the head coach at Austin P is that he was retiring in two years. And he thought that politically uh, that uh, he was not strong enough for me to be the first African-American head coach at Austin P. And that was a really, really gut-wrenching um, thought that I had been able to contribute to success of a program, but I, I was not going to be able to be the head coach at the school because I was African-American. And that, that, that emotionally, uh, that really destroyed me. I mean, it, it, it cut my guts out. I mean, I was hurt beyond repair. And that was happening to me on a Wednesday. I resigned on Thursday and oh. moved out of my house 
on Friday and took a job in Charlotte, North Carolina on Monday at Dow Chemical Company. Now that was a what I call a emotional unintelligent overreaction. Mm. And I think I say that because sometimes as as young people we make those quick decisions without thinking things too. But I was I was hurt. I was disappointed. I was I, I felt uh, violated. I, I felt that defeated. That gosh, if I couldn't be the head coach there, you know, I was in the wrong profession. So I actually tried to get out of coaching. But like I said to you earlier, I've always seen the have had this hedge of protection around me. Whenever I tried to make poor decisions, it's almost like God. They say, I, you know, I, God protect. They say babies and fools, and so I was foolish. <laughs> and that Monday. I went to work and they let me go at noon to go find an apartment for me to move my family in. And at 12 o'clock, I called back to the hotel and asked my wife to check in. And she said, Joe Hall just called you from, from the University of Kentucky. And, and this is the number. So I called him. And he asked me, would I be interested in coming to talk to him about a position on the staff? So I go from having a job, getting emotionally disappointed, quitting the job, trying to get out of coaching and being called by the number one program in the history of women's program in the history of college basketball. And so wow. the emotional determining guy that I am. So I, I, when he out, when he asked me that, I said to him, coach, can I, can I call you right back? Because he had told me that he was going to be out of town on Tuesday, that he wanted me to come in and talk to him on Wednesday because he would be getting back late on Tuesday. So I called the airport, made my own plane reservation, and, and and called him back and said, Coach, I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm coming in there tonight. Oh. And, and then I'll wait on you when you get back on Tuesday and and, and we'll talk. He he said, Well, you don't mess around, do you? I said, No, coach. <laughs> I, I don't because so my second day on the job at Dow Chemical, I wasn't at work. Oh I was in goodness. Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> in fact, I went and flew in there that night and he oh. got back in and that Monday we talked. I mean that Tuesday we talked. And about five o'clock in the afternoon, I said, Coach, if you don't have anything else to show me or talk to me about, I, I think I want to go on back to Charlotte. And I said, I'm going to tell you four things. I'll be loyal to you. Nobody outwork me. I'll have you, I'll have you playing the players, and I won't get you in trouble. Hmm. But if you're not going to offer me the job, I'm going to go back and be the number one chemical salesman in the country. Wow. And I left and went back. And so I didn't talk to him anymore until that next Monday. And I was actually had, was getting ready to put a deposit down on an apartment and move out. <laughs> and oh. the, 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 the comical thing about this part of the story is that the hotel I was staying in was right across the street from Dow Chemical. And so at lunchtime, everybody left at, at 12. So I walked across the street and my wife said, Joe Hall called you. I called him, he offered me the job. I accepted. I walked back across the street and wrote a letter to whom it may concern. I resigned my position effective immediately. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh. I signed it, James Little Hamilton, got in my car, moved out of the hotel. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, and, and my wife said, I am not driving. I had two cars. Oh. And so what I did was um, I uh, put all the things I had in one car and drove to Lexington, Kentucky that, that night. And that that was a story. So even though I tried to get out of coaching, I love it. That God just said, "You say you fool, <laughs> babies and fools." <laughs> he just and this so you know this is what I enjoy doing. 
Mm. And I can go on and on about the reasons why I could justify that I'm fulfilling the purpose that I think I have God to put me on this earth to do. I love it. That, that's an awesome story. So, so at that point, then, did you kind of never look back? It was coaching the, the whole time or that's any it. other doubts? I, mean, I just, you know, and, and I've been this fortunate enough to, to be around success and learn from being at the number one winners program in the history of college basketball. So that was, that was preparing me. Mm. You know, I feel that the job at Austin P was preparing me. I thought the opportunity at Kentucky prepared me even more. And, and I turned down some opportunities while I was at Kentucky because I wanted to be seasoned when I had the opportunity to move out. And so I was there for 12 years and, and, uh, and I had tremendous uh, opportunity to learn and grow and get exposed and learn what it's like to run an efficient program, uh, not only on the co- from the coaching standpoint, but, you know, but from the PR standpoint, from the uh, organizational standpoint, from the academic standpoint, running camps and clinics and uh, being put in a situation where the pressure was on me at a great program, they have to go out and produce. And it wasn't always easy and I wasn't always successful, but, you know, I was able to work through the challenges and learn and grow. And I felt that when my opportunity came to, to take the head, the head job at Oklahoma State, that uh, I was prepared. Mm. Now that that's awesome. And, and so you mentioned the, the word success and I wanted to get your kind of perspective on, on that word. Cause, cause obviously you, you've had success, especially at, at Florida state. And you mentioned being a part of, you know, Kentucky and we know the success that that program's had for, for so long. And, and for you though, I know that you're even just been reading about you more passionate about the impact that you're having on your players, even off the court. And so how do you navigate that where, where you want to build a strong program, you want to win games, you want to win, you know, as much as you can, but there's something more important that, that, that drives you. So, so how do you, how do you balance that? Well, I, I've been fortunate, like I said, to develop wisdom, watch, see, learn from people. Uh, God has always put mentors in my life mm. and George Ravelin and John Thompson, and Joe Hall, Lake Kelly, Eddie Sutton, all those guys were guys who I worked with and who are, who were mentors of mine. So I've always uh, utilized those relationships. And whenever there were things that I had not been exposed to, you know, I used them, leaned on them and the wisdom that they gained from being an experience. Uh, but, but I think that in coaching, um, if, if winning is your primary goal and that's, that's all you concentrate on, then you miss out on, those things that are, I believe that are so much more important because sometimes you can lose perspective on, on, on your approach. If, if you understand that the, the, under the definition of being a coach, that there's just so many areas that you have to be on point with. You actually have teenagers, young, young teenagers that you are urging into young adulthood. You're a surrogate parent for them away from home. You are communicating with them doing the most important part of their life when they're developing uh, their philosophies of, of how they conduct themselves. Uh, what kind of, and, and you actually are developing neighbors, citizens, fathers, husbands, um, uh, good, good, good Americans. Uh, and, and so when you're shaping, when you are in part of that part of a young man's development, you have to understand it's there's a lot of responsibility. You're not really truly judged until five or six years after they leave you. 
you know, right now you guys judge us at how many NCAA tournaments, you know, what, where we're ranked, uh, who goes to the NBA, uh, are you coach of the year award? Do you get a coach? Are you coach of the year? That's how you judge us publicly. Yeah. But in reality, you judge the the fruits of our labor. You love the the the, the fruit of our the, of the success when a when a guy's left you four, five, six, seven years. What is he doing with his life? That's when you really evaluate how successful you have been on this journey. And if you only evaluate yourself by the number of games you've won or have or lost, then you're shortchanging yourself, your responsibilities, and you're also shortchanging those parents who trust you with their most precious gift. That's their child to, to help them grow and develop. So when you focus on finding ways to, to, to help youngsters find a way to reach their full potential is, 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 is what your, 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 your focus should be. Mm. And, and, and doing that, sure, you coach their bodies, but the most important thing you do is coach their minds and their spirits. Amen. If, they're, if they're, their minds are correct and their spirits are correct, then they're going to utilize the, 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 the physical talents that God has blessed them with. And you have to find a way to, to communicate with them. And communication is so much a part of, of the development process and the maturing process. And because everyone learns at a different rate, you know, and, and when kids are not learning and not progressing, does that mean that they're not good learners and not, not good listeners or you are not a good teacher and you're not a good developer? You know, we have to assume that responsibility because they're growing. And so, I, I I look I try to yes the, the the byproduct of of reaching your potential is success but 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 in order to in order to have success and play to your potential you really really got to develop them mentally and emotionally and then the outcome and the results of your work is not really. Uh, it's not really in your control. I always feel that, you know, God has a plan for all of us. You can't control the outcome, but you can control the process mm. by which you develop mm. and grow and mature to reach your fullest potential. Um, that's, and, and, and so you, I always feel that it's almost sacrilegious to worry, mm. you know, because Really, God is in control of all things. And you maybe can't always control the final outcome, but you can, you can control the process by which you, 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 you develop. And, 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 and if, if it's told to be, if you go out and give the very, very best that God has blessed you with, then all you can do is accept the outcome. And, and you don't worry about the outcome. You worry about the process. See, there's learning, growing confidence and skill development in the process. Mm. But everybody want to make progress, but nobody is patient to want to go through the process. Mm. The process is where you grow. Right. And, and, and if, you, if you embrace the process, then the outcome will be to reach, will be the best it could be in relation to the, the potential and the gifts and the talents that God has blessed you with.
Ah, uh, I love that. that. That's very strong and encouraging. And I, I appreciate that, that perspective. And, and, and for you throughout your life, cause you're, you're kind of talking about how you're, you're coaching other, you know, your players and, and all that you pour into. What about for you personally? What has that, that process been like for your own spiritual growth and, and becoming more like Jesus and, and what has, yeah, kind of your experience and process been like? Well, my process started at an early age. Um, I don't ever remember maybe the farthest I've, in my first eight years of development, the farthest I ever lived from my church might have been 50 yards. <laughs> and may, maybe less than 50. Wow. And, then I, and I think I actually moved from being, let's say, 30 or 40 yards from my church to maybe 25 yards from the church. I actually could stand on my back porch and, and throw a rock and hit the church. Oh. So, so, I mean, I actually could stand on my back porch and listen to the choir sing. I love so it. every time the door opened, we were in it. That was part of our life, part of part of our every our everyday being centered uh, around what we, the activities that we had: the church, Sunday school, Bible school, BTU, vacation Bible school, the choir, the Usher board, the Easter programs, the the Christmas programs, and so that was part of my upbringing. And so developing that moral compass that, that, that you find that you develop by listening to God's word and being in that environment, um, singing in the choir was probably one of the most enjoyable experiences that I've, that, that I've ever endured. Every, every, gosh, every, every Sunday. Uh, then once we got in and we would, Sing for morning service, leaving the service, and afternoon service at somebody's program, and 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 then after church we would go do another program. So it was church, church, church every Sunday all day long, and regardless of where I was on Saturday night, I was I was crawling in there on Sunday morning. Sometimes getting out of the car, putting my towel, oh, and going man. to the church. <laughs> so that's kind of I, I think that was that, that was probably been the, probably the most influential thing in my life just having that background and being grounded mm. as a person. Don't get me wrong. I, I haven't always lived by the foot of the cross there. You know, mm. I, I, I had my, I had my distractions as well as anybody else growing up, but that really uh, gave me a, a foundation by which to grow from. Oh, that, that's awesome. And, and then were, were there any maybe pivotal seasons of life where you really grew and, and, and got really uh, moved and, and, and revealed himself to you throughout your journey? Gosh, I mean, you know, I grew up in segregation, you know, mm. where, you know, everything was tough. Mm. You know, all that. I had challenges after challenges and trying to stay focused and not become bitter because I had to drink at the colored water fountain, use the colored bathroom, some restaurants I couldn't go in, and some hotels we couldn't stay in when we traveled. It was it was not a real uh, beautiful experience, but I was I was so determined and so focused about wanting to have a better life for myself. I, I never allowed, I never allowed anything to discourage me. You know, I always tried to overcome um, um, all the challenges I was faced, you know, and, and, and I've later on in life, I realized that uh, without even knowing this passage of the Bible, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is, 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 is the book of James, uh, the first chapter, second, third, and fourth verse, where it says, uh, Counting all joy in times of diverse temptations, because 
the testing of your faith builds perseverance. So God would not did not say that he'd keep you from all hurt, harm, and danger, but he'd give you the strength to endure. And, and the true test of a man's character is, is not how you respond when everything is going good. Mm. It's how you respond in adversity. You know, do you, do you make wise decisions? Can, can, you, can you have a forgiving heart when people are, are, are misusing you or, or abusing you? Can you, can you have emotional uh, uh, in, intelligence to, to, to see past the, 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 the distractions and, and, and the pitfalls of life and, and utilize each challenge for an opportunity to grow and mature and become stronger. And that's basically how I've lived my life. And it, it's very difficult to discourage me. And I, I assume all my own responsibilities. I feel like, you know, we control ourselves. You know, I was, I was very fortunate they have a wise father hmm. and, and, and growing up uh, with being in a re- religious environment, but having a, a father who he had his challenges, but they called him big John and big John told me about three things. He said, don't ever let anybody outwork. You. Hmm. And he said that because, you know, your supervisor, your coach, your boss, they might make a mistake, evaluate you. So if you let it be close, close, and you're not successful, then you have nobody to blame but yourself because you control the outcome. Mm. And then the most most important thing he said: Don't ever come to me complaining. Mm. Don't ever come to me complaining that you were not dealt fairly, that that someone did not give you the right opportunity. He said because you control your outcome, and so not having a person to complain to not having anybody to make an excuse to. Because he said, I don't want to hear any excuses. You control your own outcome. So developing a strong work ethic and believing that that's part of being successful is not allowing anyone to outwork you. Mm. That, and, and, and he would say, don't, don't, if you're tired, don't bend over. Mm. Stand straight up and breathe out of your nose. He said, if you're, if you're hurting, pinch your finger. but don't don't show any weakness and he said and and don't complain Hmm. you control complaining won't do anything other than become a distraction so with being growing up in the church and trying to do unto others that you you have them do unto you Hmm. and then having a father who made it difficult for you not to work extremely hard Hmm. and and he made you feel that you control the outcome and you could and, and if you're defeated and don't not successful it's all on you. Those were great life lessons that are, that are, that has really driven me and given me an opportunity to 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 whatever level of success that I've had. I think it's as a result of having a solid moral background, understanding you you do unto others, you have people do unto you. Not ever want to let anybody outwork you and not making any excuses when things don't go your well and trying to overcome things and then counting it all joy. And regardless of when things are going bad, you count it all joy because you have chances to learn through your, the, the failures and, and grow grow strength from, from the fight. But count it all joy when things go good because that's God's blessings on your life. And you be thankful and, 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 and you realize that it wasn't, it's not you. Mm. It, it's, it's, you're not in control with that. There's a higher being. It controls all things. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. 
This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. So we'll stop it right there. That's part one of our conversation with Leonard Hamilton. And, and man, what, a, what an awesome guy. Very thought-provoking. Uh, a couple things that, that jumped out to me. You know, the idea of character being revealed, not necessarily when things are going well, but, it, but it's, it, he, he said, how you respond in adversity. And so that's the true test of character. And, and I think we, you know, we've maybe heard that before. Uh, that's a you know, common thought, especially for us as, as followers of Jesus. You know, how are we going to respond when life gets hard? Are we going to continue to trust God? Are we going to continue to follow him? And, and will our character and integrity remain the same? Because when adversity hits, it's an opportunity sometimes for us to you know, justify certain actions that, that aren't right. Um, it, it's a chance for us to um, you know, get so upset and frustrated that we do things out of character. And so that's why we, we have to you know, continue to ma- remain rooted in Scripture, rooted in the Lord, turn to Him in adversity, so that our character can actually develop, grow, and be strengthened through the difficulty and allow God to move in us versus the adversity, you know, causing our character to unravel. Um, but in some, case, in some cases, it's a test of what our true character is. And some people maybe have been faking it or wearing a mask. And so adversity comes, and it's like, all right, well, let's see. Are you genuine? Are you for real? What's, you know, what are you all about? So th- there is that, that element to that. Um, and then Coach used the word emotional intelligence, and I, I think that's a, a, a word you know, we could probably unpack for a, for a long time and, and I would say probably study it a little bit more. But understanding our own emotions, understanding what triggers certain emotions, and, and, and being able to, to have self-control and self-discipline with our emotions. You know, to me, I'm an emotional guy. So there's value in certain emotions explaining you know, how you're feeling and what's going on. But when the emotions take over and they cause you, again, to act out of character, uh, then it becomes an issue. Um, but being, being smart with our emotions, yeah, knowing how to use them, when to use them, and being aware of what we're actually feeling, what our emotions are, is, uh, is a good thing. So um, that triggered, yeah, that, that thought uh, that he mentioned. Um, and then also, uh, I love that he said that it's, uh, it's very difficult to discourage him. I like that. So, that, yeah, that's a, that's a, a guy who's, who's matured and, and has been through a lot and has grown, and so that's a, that's a neat uh, testimony and example that uh, it's very difficult to discourage him. Because I, I don't know if I can confidently say that about myself. Things discourage me. I get discouraged. Um, so I'm growing and learning and, and, <laughs> and wanting to continue to, to trust God more and more. So, uh, so there you go. Those are some thoughts uh, that jumped out on part one. Uh, make sure you go download part two. And as always, we appreciate your support of this show. Subscribe, rate, review, share. Let people know about Unpacking It. And let us know your thoughts about the show. And so you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. That's all for today, but I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, 
visit unpackinit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackinit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.